Hello and welcome to the Normal Room Dispute Podcast. I am Mitchell Kaminsky. A lot of sports news to dive into. And uh, we got some controversy to talk about this week also. So let's not waste any time. Pat Foley has his final broadcast for the Blackhawks tonight. So uh, I'm recording this really quick. I'm going to try and catch the end of that. Uh, tip of the hockey helmet to a broadcasting legend. Uh, not many better in the business. I mean, you could argue, I, you know... One of the things that wanted to make me get into broadcasting was listening to Doc Emmerich was one, Hawk Harrelson, and Pat Foley was number number three. Like those those three were my top three Chicago sports guys, um, and that that's kind of what made me want to get into broadcasting. But Pat Foley was excellent, um, and he also the year he uh, went to the Chicago Wolves. Who me and my buddy Patrick used to get tickets for them all the time when the Hawks got good and um, you know couldn't afford to go to the Hawks games anymore. Uh, so we'd go to the Chicago Wolves tickets because we we're both hockey fans and. Uh, he used to do the broadcast for them as well in 2008. They, uh, he, the Hawks fired him. I uh, went to the Chicago Wolves. They won the Calder Cup that year, so he was on the call. And then Hawks finally brought him back. But so he's got his final broadcast tonight. Tip of the hockey helmet to you, sir. Uh, you've had a great career, and uh, you enjoy all the praise you've been getting. Um, but let's do, let's talk about this really quick because this has been this has been the buzz of uh, sports talk in the last couple of days, especially out here in LA. Um, in life, there's certain times that opportunities come along and, you know, it's rare. It's uh, it's rare. And sometimes you just got to take, got to take the opportunity because you never know when you're going to get that. You never get another opportunity like it. Um, let me give you an example. And this is kind of an extreme example, but you know, I'm only in, out here in LA a couple more weeks. Semester is going to wrap up. So I'm trying to do as much as I can before I go see all the sites. And I'm a huge classic rock man. Like 60s, 70s, 80s rock. Like, that's right up my alley. Love that thing. Love the history of it, too. Uh, so, I wanted to go a couple weeks ago to the, the Sunset Strip. Uh, and they had, like, a concert there. They had uh, an 80s tribute band. They are playing at the Whiskey Ago. Famous club down in L.A. I mean, you name the artist, they've probably played there. Really famous club. Only holds about, like, 500 people. Super cool venue. So, I'm like, all right, you know what? Let's go. And afterwards, after the concert or whatever, uh, you know, it's tired. It's late. It's, it's a Monday night. Yeah, he's stuff to do the next day. Uh, so there's, we we had, we had an opportunity afterwards, and <clears throat> uh, these ladies came up to the group we were with and like, hey, like, you want to go get drinks at the Rainbow uh, across the street? And so you know, this is this this is one of these one of these opportunities that comes up. It's like, well, you know, we could go back right now, and it would be the responsible thing probably to do. But you know, the Rainbow, if you know your Sunset Strip history or a rock history, another. Pretty famous play. When else am I going to be back here? I don't see myself, you know, frequenting the Sunstrip to strip that up. I'm like, all right, you know what? Let's let's do it. And uh, the booth wound up at, according to the guy <laughs> that was doing the group, and he, he knew his history a lot better. He took a tour a couple weeks ago, so he's kind of pointing everything around. We get to the one booth, and uh, we're waiting there for food to come. He's telling me, he's like, yeah, like this is the old booth Led Zeppelin used to sit, which is my favorite band. He's like, yeah, they used to get blowjobs under this table i was like oh my gosh had i have said no i would not have gotten to sit in the led zeppelin blowjob booth in the rainbow that for me was like you know that was that was pretty cool that's a great opportunity that i would have passed up if i said no what are the what are the odds that's gonna happen again now that's an absolute extreme but the point is here you know these opportunities don't come often what are the odds that you might i get to sit in my favorite band's booth so this is what i was going to be talking about this is what we'll segue to this what rare opportunity comes along clayton kershaw was throwing a perfect game Against the Minnesota Twins, uh, last yesterday, uh, which was would be Wednesday, 
Wednesday afternoon in Minnesota. Clayton Kershaw's throwing a perfect game. He's through 70 innings, thrown 80 pitches. His stuff is special. Like, there's sometimes you come around and you know they don't have their best stuff. Like, my favorite, Clay, one of my favorite games I ever watched pitch was Clayton Kershaw came to Chicago uh, to play the White Sox. And, you know, they only come to Chicago. Like, you, the way it used to work, uh, now they're just reformatting it for next year where everyone's going to play everyone. But, uh, you know, you play these divisions like once every two years and then, uh, especially if they're National League, uh, you'd come to their park one of the years and then they'd come back to your park. So this it was the next time they would have been there was another four years. And I didn't at the time. I was in high school. I said, well, I don't know if I'm going to be going out to L.A. anytime soon. Clayton Kershaw was scheduled to pitch. I'm like, well, I don't know when the next time I'm going to be able to see him pitch. He's a Hall of Famer. Let's go to the game. Uh, and you could tell he didn't have his best stuff, but he was able to work around it because he's Clayton Kershaw. And so that was fun to watch him operate. You know, knowing he did not have his best stuff that night and being able to pick. But what we saw yesterday was that man had his, like, he, he was on his angle. Like, that's a rare time it happens. Like, Carlos Rodon, when he threw his no-hitter. That stuff comes around only once. And, you know, he had a low ERA and he's able to work around a lot of times because he's a good pitcher. That's what good pitchers do. But when you're a good pitcher and you have your enchanted stuff, like, doesn't come around often. It, it's scary. And you saw it. Not only did the man have 13 strikeouts, he only had 80 pitches through seven innings. And Dave Roberts pulled up afterward. Opportunity for a perfect game, which he's never done in his career. Clayton Kershaw has done about it all. He's thrown a no-hitter. He's won a World Series. He's won Cy Youngs. Never thrown a perfect game. That is rare. That is hard to do. He had the stuff to do it. He was only 80 pitches, so he's pretty efficient. And he was robbed of that opportunity. And I guarantee you, those opportunities, doesn't matter how good you are, like... You don't know when that opportunity is going to come around again, if it ever will. Now, the counter-argument is, well, you know, he almost retired last year because there was fear he was going to have to have another arm surgery. He couldn't pick up a ball in the month of January because he was worried about it. Like, he was contemplating retirement. Dodgers brought him back. You know, you got to work your way up. Like, I get that. I get it. You could have had him on short lease, too, which would have done fine. But I would counter with the fact, wouldn't the time to let him go be early in the season? Want his arm still pretty fresh? Like, out of all the games you can, you can do it is, I mean, that that would be the game to let him go a little bit longer. First start of the year, pretty early in the year. Now, I understand the counter argument. Yeah, it's Clayton Kershaw. But, like, you can't tell him. That was our wash dryer in the background, by the way. So, it sounds like, <laughs> ugh, it's a horrible sound. It sounds like you're working in a factory every time it goes off. Scared the crap out of me a couple nights ago. Headed, but, yeah, side tangent, but, oh, <laughs> Yeah, but you're Clayton Kershaw. Like, you don't know when that's going to come along. You don't know when that's going to come along. And if you're Clayton Kershaw, especially if he wanted to stay in the game. Like, I can understand, like, hey, his arm, he knows his arm better than anyone. He knows his body better than anyone. If he felt he should have came out, he'd like, fine. But you listen to him after the game. That really sounded like a guy that wanted to come out. Now, what he, he didn't, like, everyone's like, well, Mitch, like, he agreed with Dave Roberts. Well, that's because he's smart. And we'll get into stupid people later that, like, say what they're actually thinking. And that's why, like, Clayton Kershaw has been Clayton Kershaw, one of the most liked and well-respected people in the game because he's smart. He's still, he thinks before he speaks. And so, yeah, of course he's going to give the diplomatic answer. What's he going to do? Like, throw his manager under the bus? No, he's not going to cause a conflict. But like, you listen to his tone, like, I think he was a little disappointed. And if he wanted to stay in that game, he has earned the right to stay in that game for the Dodgers. He was robbed of opportunity. And you know what? Like, next time he's going to have stuff like that? Who knows? If ever. That was a missed opportunity. Because I think he could have done it. And, like, I get under, like, look, he gives up a hit the first batter, you yank him. You know, he starts reading a little bit higher pitch, but 80 pitches through seven, he's throwing pretty efficiently. They couldn't touch him. 
And on top of that, he had 13 strikeouts, which means he was mowing them down pretty quickly there, too. So the average at bat was probably like four pitches, if that's the case. And you couldn't have given him another, you couldn't have given him another 20 to go for the perfect game. Like, I mean, that, come on. That's, that's bad. That's, and I like Dave Roberts. I think Dave Roberts is a good manager, but that is bad. He robbed him of opportunity. And like the people, oh, you know, save his arm, you know what? I mean, a lot of Dodgers fans, he wasn't even supposed to sign again next year. He's earned the right to stay in that game if he wanted to, which I think he did. He got robbed. I don't think the opportunity is going to come again. And you know what? His career will probably go by, and he will never throw a perfect game. And that would have been that, that was his best opportunity right there. And they missed it because the manager pulled him. What are you going to do? But speaking of people that open their mouths, so we, we just, you know, as I mentioned, Kershaw is a pretty stoic, uh, pretty stoic individual. Um, so, you know, he, he's smart. He, he thinks before he speaks. Now, there's two people this past week that came out with stuff that, you know, a clear example, and they're pretty similar, too. Uh, let's talk for Baker Mayfield and Russell Westbrook. These are two people whose teams are both actively trying to get rid of them. <laughs> Wonder why. Uh, and they're both like, you know, Russell Westbrook a little bit more decorated than Baker. But like, you know, the one's the Heisman winner. The other one did MVP winner. First overall pick. You know, they've they, they been there. They're talented. They're talented. Both of them are talented. Both their teams looking to get rid of them. Not a whole lot of suitors for either one of them, though, if you notice. Because they say stupid stuff. Like this. Like Russell Westbrook comes out and he's trashing Frank Vogel. After Frank Vogel got fired. Which was unfair, by the way, too. Frank Vogel had no say in the roster. He's a defensive head coach. He didn't ask for a geriatric award that can't play defense. Like, what's Frank Vogel supposed to do with that? Then you got guys like Westbrook coming in. Oh, they didn't give me a fair opportunity. Excuse me? Guess who led the Lakers in minutes this year? Russell Westbrook. Guess who led the Lakers in games played this year? Russell Westbrook. And he started every one of those games, probably. It's like, he didn't give a fair chance? Like, get the hell out of here. What the hell are you saying? Like, it looked bad enough that you can't get along with LeBron. Like, everyone works with LeBron. Everyone. Westbrook can't. And he's saying, coming out there, there's like stupid stuff like that. And, like, even when he was, like, saying stuff about, like, the oh, like, you know, I don't like when fans call me Westbrook. What do you think opposing fans are going to do after you acknowledge it bothers them? Like, that's a guy with no self-awareness, doesn't think before he speaks. And Baker Mayfield had a very similar thing. You know, the guy's looking for work. And I can understand why Baker's upset. Like, I would be upset, too, if they just went out and got my replacement. And my replacement got a fully guaranteed contract when he's got the baggage of 22 sexual assault civil suits lingering. Like, yeah, if I'm Baker Mayfield, I'd be a little frustrated. Especially if I put my body on the line the year before. But he released this... He looked like a doofus in this video. It's a 90-minute video with, uh, yeah, I think it's one of his friends or something. Some guy I'd never heard of. I mean, yeah, he's just kind of going off the cuff. You could tell it wasn't very well thought out. He wasn't thinking about anything he was saying. And he's just going off like, yeah, he doesn't like booing. It bothers him. You know, got under his skin. And so what do you think the fans are going to do now? You think it's going to help? No. You know, he felt disrespected by Cleveland. You know, he's saying all this stuff, and he's already had a history of being immature, but now you're coming out, going off the cuff like that, like, is that going to raise his trade value? No. Teams are already having a hard enough time. <laughs> it's like, they're having a hard enough time finding a suitor for him as it is. Like, even the Seahawks, which would not be an ideal situation, but at least he'd be a starter. They're even like, eh, you know, we're good. They just went out and got Geno Smith. They're like, yeah, we're going to ride with Drew Locke, and probably we got Geno as a backup. Well, we don't really want to give up that much. And that was the only guy left in the market. That was the only team really left in the market that, like, you would say, yeah, they're in the they'd be in the Baker business. And both of them are civil. And they wonder why, like, teams don't want them right now. And they're in a similar situation. 
It's because they don't think before they speak. And it's sad. It's sad. Like, both of them has become kind of pathetic. Baker went from a sympathet sympathetic character, and then he, he released that, and, like, some of the quotes from that, it's like, bro, don't say that. Don't say that. Like, when in doubt, general rule of thumb, you don't think you should, like, you keep your mouth shut. Like, when you're talking more, you just tend to dig yourself into a bigger hole. It's never a good look. You know who they never think? You know, like, quiet people, usually. People assume they're smart. Because they never say anything stupid. Which, you dig yourself into a hole. Like, an extreme point of this. I mean, this happens to me all the time, you know. Like, George Costanza. Like, you'll make the, uh... He make the he makes he makes a good joke like he had to leave on a high note. He would make a good joke and then he'd keep talking and then it would mess up the jokes so and no one remembers that. No one's gonna remember that heartfelt letter to back to Cleveland for Baker Mayfield that he gave like right before they went out and traded for Watson. Like that was a good look for Baker. That was a smart move. No one's gonna remember that though, because he just talked himself into the role. Same with Westbrook. Hey, you know, that was like when I was you know I I went on a roller coaster a couple of weeks ago. It was horrible. I hate it. It's terrifying. And you know what I did? I, and I, I work in obscenity. Like, you know, some artists paint pastels, other watercolors. My medium is obscenity, usually. <laughs> it's just horrible things coming up. But, you know, when you're when you're in a public venue and you're terrified of roller coasters, one, uh, you know, and probably not a yeah, good idea to go on one in the first place, but uh, you know how you're going to let everyone know that you're terrified and, you know, you're, you're soft? Screaming obscenities when you're on this roller coaster. Like, it got so bad. Like, yeah, I suppose, like, dug yourself into a bigger hole by saying. And, you know, it was funny, too, in that specific situation. And this is a complete, this is a terrible example, but, like, you know, when you're a commoner, when you're a simple folk like me, this is the best I can get compared to myself to professional athletes. You know, going on a roller coaster. Yeah, adrenaline rush. Yeah, pretty similar. <laughs> but as I mentioned, you know, I, I, I me and roller coasters don't gel well. I, I, I don't like it. I don't like the feel like your stomach you get. I not not fun, not fun. I like being on the ground, well grounded individual. Uh, well, you know, my girlfriend loves roller coasters. She's like, oh, we gotta go on this roller coaster. I'm like, all right, like fine. And of course, you don't want to look scared. Then I've been putting up with it pretty well because I didn't say anything. But then we get on this one, and all of a sudden, you cope with it. You open your mouth, and you know, you start screaming on this thing. And now, not only do you acknowledge the terrified roller coaster, like everyone else knows it too. Just dug myself into a bigger hole. That was a tough one to bounce. You can't explain. Oh well, you know. Uh, something got in my eye. That's a yeah, no. It was clear that. Look at this. Look at this fairy over here screaming. Like, it's, it's, it's the same thing. Not really. But, you know, you get what I'm saying. Less is more when these things happen. And sometimes it's not always the best to, like, actually think what you say, what you're saying, too. Like, everyone loves honesty there, too. But, like, like Russell Wilson. You, you think he's saying what he was thinking half the time? Like, I think he wanted out of Seattle. But, like, you know, the end, he's like, yeah, like, I want to I wanna build a winning, th winning thing here in Seattle. Like, that's smart. Smart to say. Well thought out. Well, that Tom Brady too. Like, you know, you, you get the point at this point. But that's, they wonder why no teams want him. Or Westbrook wonders why he's on his fifth team this many years. He just doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. Baker's the same way. They're very, they're very similar athletes too. Like, personality-wise. First, first through that comparison speed. Um, let's go to this. Derek Carr just got a huge contract. And you know what? For all the complaining, hey, I gotta get something off my chest here. I'm sick of so many people complaining about, like, money athletes. Oh, he's totally overpaid. Like, what do you care? Are you cutting the check? Why, why can't we be happy for these people that get overpaid, according to them? 
And I don't think it was that bad of a contract. How many, how many good franchise quarterbacks are there? Like out in the league, floating about. Not many. Especially when you got that arms race in that division like the Raiders do. You know. Derek Carr is a very solid quarterback. He just took him to the playoffs this year, despite all that turmoil. Yeah, he's not a bad, he's not a bad quarterback. He would have won MVP one year if he did not get hurt right before the playoffs. That was a good Raiders thing. You could do a lot worse than Derek Carr as your quarterback. And in an arms race, sometimes you want some security, some stability. You know, what are you going to do? Go out and test like an unproven rookie? You know, bring in Baker Mayfield? Like, no. They see a good option. They're like, yeah, you know what? We can win games with this guy. We put the right roster around him. We'll pay him. Yeah, we all got to overpay a little bit. But you know what else you overpay for in life? Insurance. And it comes in handy at times when you lock your keys in a car and then you get a $285 bill for a locksmith. But because you have the insurance, they covers for it. It's the same thing with a quarterback like Derek Carr. Eh, it's an expensive insurance policy. Yeah, I mean, you know what you're going to get. He's going to win you games. That's a good division with good quarterbacks. Why am I risking it? Yeah, so I, I was fine with that contract. Eh, was it a little high? Sure. But all these fans complaining about it, it's like, are you writing the checks? What do you care? I'm so sick. Oh, he's, he's overpaid. Why are they paying him that much? Like that con, like Dak Prescott's contract. If I had to hear another word, like that was like a two-year saga of, oh, don't pay him this. He's not worth this. Like, eh, come on. I, I hate fans complaining about contracts on Twitter like that. Now, sometimes it's warranted, I guess, but like, oh, was that that egregious where we're, we're picking hairs? He, their cars are still play, like, you know. Especially you put some weapons around them. Like, last year, he actually had a legit... If you're talking about valuable, like, where that team would be without Derek Carr last year, he, he was a stabilizing force. Like, I'm pulling up his numbers right now. You know, you go through this, he, he, pretty consistent. 21 touchdowns, 12 picks, 2014. Not bad. 32 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Pretty good. 2016, 28 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Very good ratio. And 2017, 22 and 13. Not bad either. With a 86 pass rating? Oh, I'd take that. 2018, he was down year, arguably. 19 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. But he still had a 93.9 pass rating. Could do a lot worse than that. 2019, 100.8 pass rating. 21 touchdowns, 80 interceptions. I mean, in that division, like, when you need important stuff, it's not good to go play it cheap. You pay, you, you get what you pay for. You, you pay for cheap insurance or something. Uh, you, you know, don't be surprised. Or like, or that's a, that's bad. You, you pay for a cheap beater car. Like, don't be surprised when it breaks down. A used car. Yeah. Hey, Derek Carr, used car? Eh, eh, no. Yeah, that was bad. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Like last year's for 4,000 yards. 23 touchdowns. I'd take that. Not quit complaining that he got overpaid. Eh, it was a lot. But, you know, so be it. What are you going to do? All right, let's finish with this. Um, I'll go through our NBA uh, bracket here, uh, I guess. Uh, I'm going to make my picks. I'm going to make my picks each round. Uh, now, we still have to see. I was shocked. The Timberwolves they, they beat the Clippers. The Clippers are kind of my dark horse. And I've been on the Clippers. Band, and you know what? I think it's local bias. I think I was in the Clippers bubble. I was buying into them. You know. Reggie Jackson bobblehead day really got me in Clippers mania. And now, you know, take a step back. It's like, oh, are they really as good as I think they were? Uh, yes, I actually still do. I think that roster's pretty deep. And next year, I would I would still put them as my title favorite next year. And I still think they can make a run. Now, I think it would have been better. Had they won that game against Minnesota, 
and they were playing uh, Golden State round one. I think they pull off the upset in that series. Phoenix, don't think they pull off the upset, but they still got to beat the Pelicans. But Fatso is not playing for the Pelicans, and I saw the Pelicans and Clippers play once already this season. Pretty clear mismatch at home for the Clippers. I think they're winning that game. So that's how I'm going to fill out like that side of the bracket. And I'm also I'm, I'm picking the Cavaliers to win and get in as well. Uh, they actually played, you know, the Cavaliers against the Nets. You know, you take away the fact that Kyrie was like out of his mind, nine for nine in the first quarter, and they were missing Jared Allen. And it was only a seven, what was it, seven, six point game? Yeah, the Cavs easily could have won that. They played very well considering the circumstances. Like Kyrie's an excellent player. Borderline future Hall of Famer. But he ain't either, like the, the, mode, the mode he was shooting at, that doesn't happen every night. That's like what we were talking about with Clayton Kershaw, like their enchant and stuff. Like he could not miss. You know, had he had an irregular, ordinary Kyrie night, I think the Cavs could win that game. Like they hung in their top. But so I'm, I'm, I'm picking them to beat the Hawks. Um, so that's who that's who I'm filling out my bracket uh, from here. And uh, by the way, you know, we talk about we alluded to Fatso a little bit. I'm so sick of Zion too. Like, I mean, that guy, you gotta, you kind of have to feel for Pelicans fans. You know, you lose Anthony Davis, the face of your franchise. There's a lot of tampering going on with the Lakers, let's be honest. So that's sad. The one guy that you had to hold on to, you lose him to the Lakers and LeBron. Now that's a tough pill to fall, but then you get Zion. So you got hope. And then Zion doesn't play. He's always hurt. And you watch the number two pick in the draft. John Morant be a borderline MVP candidate. He's exciting. And he's like, man, did we get the wrong guy? Our guy's borderlining a bus. And not only is he hurt, which would be bad enough. Like, and I talked about this with Anthony Davis, too. It's one thing you get hurt. You know, injuries happen. It's sport. I get it. But when you see him bolt, like, the man looks like a puffer fish. Looks like he got stung by a jellyfish and just ballooned up. He's easily, you saw that clip of him doing the windmill dunk, which, by the way, he's 6'6". Let's quit overreacting about a dunk. I would hope he could dunk. If I was 6'6". I mean, I would expect to be dunking too. But that man's easily 300 pounds. Like, that's what I was noticing in that video. Like, look at this guy. This guy should be playing defensive line. You know, that is, that's a couple Popeye's biscuits from being like Vince Wilfork level. Um, <laughs> but like, that's hard on the knees. So you see him out of shape, not putting a whole lot of work in. Doesn't look like he puts a whole lot of effort in with his teammates. Like, the CJ McCollum thing where he didn't reach out to CJ McCollum after they traded for him, kind of concerning too. So you have the injury thing mixed with the lack of effort, the lack of diet, the lack of preparation. Clearly doesn't take care of his body. And all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I can see why this guy's getting hurt so much. And then also you have the fact that like, I don't think he, he clearly doesn't want to be in New Orleans much longer. And they offered him a Supermax in his rookie rookie deal and he didn't take it. He doesn't want to be there. So you got a guy that doesn't want to be there, not trying. Like if I was a Pelicans fan, I would be like so depressed because they're starving for a winner. And actually, I think the only reason he wants to come back and he looks like he's going to come back because the Pelicans are smart. They just shut him down for the year. Like, are they winning a title this year? No, they're not. They're battling in the playing game. They're probably going to lose the Clippers too. Like I, I would just shut them down. You know, it's but like I think because all of a sudden there's some buzz around Pelicans basketball in New Orleans. I think it's stepdad or I mean, they're pushing the play. And I think that's the only reason you're seeing some appearances from them. But, like, I ugh, I can feel Pelicans fans for that. But without, without further ado, let's go down the line here. We're going to do our NBA playoff bracket, uh, according to Mitch. Um, pull it up here. Uh, you know, did this a couple years ago with Marshall. And Marshall actually had, he had some dark horses that made it pretty far. My bracket kind of stunk. So take it with a grain of salt. But I am feeling pretty confident this year. I think I got a good grasp on the NBA landscape. I watched a lot more 
basketball this year than I have in a while because the Bulls were good and it was fun. And the Lakers the debacle. I mean, come on, that's the, that's the gift that kept on giving out here in LA. So a lot of games live too. They practically, let me tell you, you ever come to LA during basketball season, like get some Clippers tickets. They, they, they practically give them away here. Like 10 bucks and you can get in. And they're not bad seats either. Um, all right, let's do it. First round. So as I mentioned before, I'm taking the uh, Cavs over the Hawks in the play-in game. I think the Cavs play a little bit better defense. I like their youth. It's kind of the Trey Young show in Atlanta. So I'm taking the Cavs to win there. So I have them pegged as the eighth seed. And same thing with the Clippers. I saw the Pelicans and Clippers match up once. Now, I think it'll be a closer game than the last time these two played. Because the last time they played in the regular season, kind of a blowout. And I remember watching it, too, because that was the one I was at. I was like, eh, this could be a play-in potential match. And the, the Clippers blew them out of the building. And Paul George only played, like, the first first three quarters. Like, he only played, like, 15 minutes or so. He's going to get more minutes. They're motivated after that Timberwolves game. Thought it was kind of fluky, so uh, I'm taking the Clippers for that one. So we got the one seed, uh, the Suns versus the Clippers. As I mentioned before, I think this Clippers team is deep. A lot of them, despite the fact that they're young, a lot of them have been there before. Paul George is going to get more minutes. Rumors Kawhi may or may not come back. If he does come back, that's a viable team this year. Like, that's the opposite design where I actually would put him back because I think the roster isn't a spot where it could win now. And you saw him last year give him a handful, which is Paul George. So they have a game plan for the Suns. I'm taking the Suns because I think this is the best team in the conference by a pretty wide margin. So I'm going Suns in six. If the Clippers give them a handful, they're going to steal a game early and make that series interesting. But the Suns will pull away. Suns in six in that one. Uh, the Jazz versus the Mavericks. Now, that's another team that I saw earlier this year with the Jazz. And this roster should be better than what they are. Like, it's really... They have a, they have on paper a pretty deep roster, and I think they do less with it than anyone else. It's kind of the Donovan Mitchell show. But Luka is hurt. He's going to miss game one. Rudy Gobert's presence down low. It's a team that they, it, it kind of feels like kind of the last dance for them. Like, they got to put it together. A lot of pressure on them. I'm going to take the Jazz in that one. It's a coin flip series. But I'm taking the Jazz to win that series in seven. I think it'll be a dogfight. Luke is going to be the best player on the floor, but I do like Donovan Mitchell a lot, Mitchell a lot more than most. Uh, a lot of people don't even get to watch him because he plays so late at night, and it's in Utah, you know. But I, I do like Donovan. I give them a slight edge in that one just because it's a sl once again slightly deeper. You know, Mike Conley if he can stay healthy, you get Rudy Gobert, Clarkson off the bench. Like it's a pretty deep Jazz team. So if I'm going like the five, if I'm going top ten players in that series, and I'm going down the order, the Jazz have more than the Mavericks. And I do like Spencer Dinwiddie too, but like I'm still I'm still taking the Jazz slightly. That's going to be a good series. That's going to set. Nuggets and uh, Warriors, taking the experience here as well. As much as I do like Nikola Jokic, I'm taking the, uh, we're taking Golden State in six in that one. Like Steph Curry, he's going to get on a heater. They've been there before. They know what they're doing. We've kind of seen this Jet, this Nuggets team. And, you know, they're missing Murray. He's not healthy. Nicole can only carry him so far. They always seem to kind of flame out in the playoffs anyway. So uh, we're, we're going to take the, the Warriors in that one in six. Um, Memphis versus the T-Wolves. And by the way, okay, also for the people that were trashing the Timberwolves for that over-the-top celebration and Pat Beverly, like, eh, let's cut him a little slack. It wasn't a little over-the-top, yeah, and it was funny, but like, the Timberwolves. What have they had to cheer for in their existence? Like, let's think about it for a second. Do I have a title? No. During basketball season, it's windy, it's cold, it's miserable. The football team stinks. The Twins are disappointing. This is a this is a 
good sports town that is starving for a winner, especially in basketball. And they finally win. There's a significant moment. That's as close as a, you know, because they're not going to, there's another team. They're not going anywhere this year. It's a fun, young, exciting team. Anthony Edwards, the next big thing. And they pulled off a win that most people didn't think they would. Eh, so let them be excited. You know, they're going to get smoked in the next round anyway. I was fine with them being excited. Good for them. They let them have their moment. Uh, that being said, after that emotional high, they're going to get slapped around, I think, by the Grizzlies. Uh, I'm taking the Grizzlies in five in that one. Uh, still a pretty young team, though. So this Grizzlies team, I, and that's why I think also if the um, if the Clippers were to play the Grizzlies round one, I think the Clippers would handily beat them. Uh, but it's two young teams, and I think the Grizzlies young players are better than the at this point in time than the T-Wolves young players. So I'm taking the Grizzlies in five in that one. All right, let's go to the other side of the bracket now. Um, Nets, Celtics. Going to be a tough series. That could be a war. I think it goes seven. But when in doubt, you go with the best player on the floor. Nets have him and Kevin Durant. Uh, well, maybe Ben Simmons may be back. I don't think he'd be that big of an X factor, though. But I'm taking the Nets in seven in that one. Uh, Bucks, Bulls. I think Bucks in four, as much as it pains me to say it. Maybe five. We'll give the Bulls a game. I'll go Bucks in, Bucks in five. But like, you, if you watch the regular season when these two play, like Bulls are just outclassed. They're not healthy enough. They're a year away. It's a very good Bulls team. They were so much fun to watch, but like I and I hope I'm wrong on that one. Like I said, but uh, Bucks, the gentleman sweep in that one. Yeah, they have no answer for Giannis. Like inside, Vooch is not big enough to handle him. Thompson was a good pickoff, but once again, he's not a big enough rim protector. And they were missing Brooke Lopez most of the year, so this is gonna make it even worse. Such a match mismatch inside. The Bucks also got shooting. They got championship swagger. The Bulls want any hope of winning that series. They gotta win one of the first two games. You gotta steal a game early because if the Bucks get some more confidence, which they already have after dominating during the regular season, that's gonna be over really quick and it could get ugly. But the Bulls do have a lot of firepower there, so they I could see them if they they want to stay in that series. They gotta win a game early, so we will see there. 76ers versus the Raptors. Um, I'm going to take the 76ers in, we'll go six with that one as well. I think there's a lot of flaws with that 76ers team. I really don't buy him as much, and I don't trust James Harden in the playoffs. Like, that should be, on paper, that should be a much, like, that should be an easy series for the 76ers, but, I mean, I don't trust Harden in the playoffs. So I think it's going to be uglier than it needs to be. I think they'll cough up a late lead in one of the games. Uh, I mean, you saw in the playoffs last year, it was a train wreck. It was a train wreck. I think it's, you know, and you got the Doc Rivers factor too. That's slightly overrated coach. So I think that one's going six. I think the Raptors can steal a couple games there. Maybe five. It's, that won't be a sweep. It won't be a blowout either. More so, not because of anything the Raptors do. I just think it's because of the 76ers' shortcomings. But you got Joel Embiid on the floor, so they will win that series as well. Uh, so that will take us to the second round then. And we would have the, <clears throat> the Suns playing the Jazz. Um... I mean, that one's pretty straightforward, I think. Uh, I'm taking Suns in five there. I think it's a much bigger match. Matt. The Suns, I think, are the best team. Like I said, they're the best team in there. And they got they, Like you saw it last year, they were good. Now they've been there and they're hungry, too. Chris Paul doesn't get, if you, you know, assuming he's healthy, which I think hampered him a little bit last year. You saw in the finals, I think I think that shoulder thing he got in the, with the Lakers first round was bothering him a little bit near the end. Uh, so I'm taking the Suns in five and that one. Uh, and then we got the uh, Grizzlies and Warriors. Warriors, I once again, I'm taking Warriors in five there. Grizzlies too young right now. A little bit, a uh, couple years away. I do like Jordan Poole a lot. Steph, you know, you just get Steph in the playoffs. Clay's getting back into the swing of things. Hopefully Draymond comes. I don't think he'll be back 
Uh, his minutes will be spirit. It will be interesting to see what he does. But I'm still taking the Warriors in five there. I think the Grizzly is just too young. It'll be scrappy, but uh, a little bit too young. Um, then this is going to be the series of the... This will be the series of the playoffs, I think. Nets, Bucks, Bucks and seven. The Nets this year, I think they're a year away. And the reason I think that is because, like, once one, Ben Simmons hasn't played much. So everyone's like, oh, he'll probably be back and I'll play good defense on Giannis. Like, he's going to be rusty. Like, there's going to be rust. We've already seen him wilt in the playoffs. There's only so much, like, Durant can't come out there and carry the team, especially after a long, grueling series with the Celtics. It's going to be another long, grueling series with the Bucs. Someone's going to have to be guarding Giannis that whole time. He's going to wear him down. I will take the Bucs in that one in seven. And also, you look at the Nets this year, name a time where they've put together four consecutive solid games in a row. They have it. There's a reason they're the seventh seed. And mind you, they had James Harden for half the year, too. Kyrie has only played half of the season. Who knows how his conditioning will be, especially after another long, grueling series. So, I mean, we're going to we're gonna take in the Nets in that one. Um, so Then we got the 76. Oh, and I, I'm sorry. I forgot to do the Heat. Heat versus the Cavs. Heat are going to win in six. Just slightly more talented. The Cavs are scrappy. I like that Cavs team. That's another team I think a year away. They're, they're right there. And I think the Heat are also slightly overrated. So I will take the, the Heat in that round one series. So that would break them. Uh, the Heat will win in six. Uh, so that'll be with the Heat against the 76ers. I don't buy Jimmy Butler late. I don't think they have a true star on the Heat. Um, so I'm begrudgingly take the 76ers in that series. Uh, and I think it'll go 7-2. I think that one's going to be closer than people think. Uh, so I will take the, the 4 seed, the 76ers, over the Heat in that one. So that'll give us Bucks 76ers, Bucks in 5 there. I, like I said, don't buy the 76ers. I still have them going to the conference finals, but they'll be worn down by that. I'm taking the Bucks in 5. I think they will outclass them in that series. Suns Warriors, Suns in 5-2. I think they're a much better team. I don't think the Suns, like, name the last, or the, the Warriors, they don't have a true big man. They have no good center, which is going to be their downfall to the playoffs, especially when DeAndre Aiden's feasting down there. So it will be a finals rematch. Suns versus the Bucks, And I think the Bucks are the best team in there. So I think they win at six again. And it's going to be boring. And people are going to complain. They're going to be like, oh, this was fun last year. And now it's turning into Warriors, Cavs. Uh, but I'm taking the Bucks to win it all. And I hope I'm wrong because I hope they lose to the Bulls. See red. So hopefully I'm wrong. Putting that out there, but that's what if I if I was putting significant money on it, that is how I would draw it up. There you go. There you have it. White Sox off to a good start in the season. Please get healthy. Please. Please. Also, if your pitcher's throwing a perfect game and you're a manager and they're not over 100 pitches, uh, keep them in the game. So, you know, poof off. And keep your mouth shut. When in doubt, keep your mouth shut. That's all we have for you. Oh, you know what? No, it's not. We got a word from our sponsor. Well, let's pull it up. You know, there's a lot of energy drinks out there. You got Red Bull. You got Bang. And they're all right. You know, you can't go wrong with the Bang. I've had a Bang before, but, you know, it's almost too much caffeine. You get the jitters. Never done cocaine before, but, like, take you drink two Bangs, and I feel like it's kind of the, it'd be kind of similar. You don't want that. And then Red Bull. You know, it gives you wings, whatnot. That's a pretty mainstream one. You see all the sugar in Red Bull? There's a lot. There's a lot. Also, there was a rumor there was bull semen in there. Was it true? No. But... Still a rumor that was associated with him. You really want to be drinking something that had that association? <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, maybe you're not a Master Stappen fan, too. Team Red Bull Racing, you don't want to support them. So, go with the working man's energy drink. 
I am talking, of course, about Shocked Hydrate. Shocked Hydrate. You can get 10% off your order, too. You want to support the podcast and get a good, nice uh, hydration, Shocked Hydrate, good energy drink. They got a new flavor now, too. Watermelon, green apple. It's now available. You go to our Twitter. You scroll down. We got a link there. Or you can just go to shockedhydrate.com. Shockedhydrate.com and use the code DISPUTE. If you cannot spell, that is D I S P U T E, DISPUTE. Use that code. You'll get 10% off your order. They'll kick a little of the podcast. So you'll be supporting us too. So there you go. As far as I know, a Shocked Hydrate does not have an F1 team. So, um, you know, say you're a Lewis Hamilton fan. You don't want to support Team Red Bull Racing. Shocked Hydrate. There you go. And just for the record, before we get sued by Red Bull here, I, I, you know, I've had Red Bull before. There's not Bull Sleeman in it. It's a fine drink. But, you know, Shocked Energy, probably a little bit better because they're sponsoring the podcast. So they got good taste. That's what you want. Shocked Hydrate. There you go. Shockedhydrate.com. That is all we have for you. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week.